Life Happens with Pimelo Modine. It is Cancer Awareness Month, and uh, we're going to be speaking to Sister Lorraine Garson from Pink Drive. And uh, I mean, you know, this Pink Drive has been going on for a long time, and we're going to be just catching up on what it is that they plan on doing this year and, and how we're moving. You know, we have all these campaigns year after year, and the question is, are they helping us move any further? Um, we're going to be also looking specifically at um, breast cancer, specifically honing in on male breast cancer. This idea that breast cancer is only for women is not true. So we're going to be uh, having that kind of discussion and we're going to be looking at what it is that they've got planned. Now, we've got Dr. Kopano Matla uh, Mabaso, Mabaso who joins us every uh, single Monday at this time. And uh, we've been doing a series on Grow Great and looking into stunting in this country. Not something that we hear about all the time. So we decided to just give it some time and a couple of series to look into that. Thank you very much for joining us, Doc, and, and welcome to the show once again thank you thank you so much so we're going to be discussing today uh, a lot more around champions for children who are stunted tell me about those champions who what do we mean when we call people champions Mm. so i mean champions for children is the name of um, a community of practice that grow great has set up and this is specifically to support resource um, and yeah, celebrate community healthcare workers. So we've got a workforce in the country of about 70,000 community healthcare workers that have been with us for many, many years. Um, you know, historically doing a lot of great work around the HIV, the pre-ARV era, so the HIV epidemic or the AIDS epidemic, when, um, you know, a lot of communities and families needed um, palliative care and support. And these courageous healthcare workers would enter homes, support mm-hmm. families, feed families, you know, care of critically ill people mm-hmm. and they continue to exist in our communities but are, are often sidelined you know often not celebrated mm-hmm. as the way we celebrate our nurses and our doctors but they take such risks entering homes and many of them are women you know mm-hmm. entering homes mm-hmm. that can be unsafe for them mm-hmm. they often use their own money to support families and and this is a critical work workforce that we we need to reduce stunting if you look at countries latin america and parts of africa Community healthcare workers have been central to reducing stunting because they enter homes and they support families when children are outside of institutions. And so what we do is we celebrate them first and foremost, we support them, we recognize them for the work that they do, but we also equip them with the resources that they need um, to provide support to families. In, in, f- in fact, that's, that's what I was going to ask you. You know, so often you get to hear these really guardian angels talk about how they've had to take out from their own pockets to do the work that they do. So these are obviously dedicated people, but we, we're not meeting them where we need to meet them. Kopan, I'm not sure where, where's, the, where's the missing link. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think things are starting to improve, but they need to improve slightly, slightly faster. So mm-hmm. recently, and uh, you know, a, a proportion of them have been added to sort of the, the, the payroll, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, of the health system, and that's that's a good first step. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them, there's many others that aren't, that mm-hmm. haven't been. Um, they also don't have the status that a healthcare worker should have. So I mean, we've done focus groups with some of them, and you know, some of the research suggests that they can't even use staff toilets. You know, they're not considered oh. staff. They're not considered a formal part of the health system. Sure. And they find themselves in this in straddling these two worlds. They live in this community. So they get the challenges. They get how difficult it is. They get the financial challenges. But yet they are, have all these responsibilities to to, you know, be the the, the sort of pillar of primary health care in communities. Just 
just just take yeah. me through what you're saying because you know when I was asking the question I was actually you know looking more at at pay but you've just you know spoken about something that I hadn't known of when were you talking about even access to clinics and hospitals as members of staff so where would they ordinarily report where would they go um the first I mean I think our new the sort of primary the move towards universal health coverage yeah. primary health care engineering does place them as part of what they call ward-based outreach teams which okay. are you know, teams in communities that are made up of community healthcare workers supported by nurses, um, that would that would structurally um, be the sort of bedrock of primary healthcare in South Africa. Okay. It's a good policy, right? But unfortunately, our policies are not always implemented. You know, we've got fantastic policies. I think you, you probably have a lot of people coming onto this radio station saying the policy yes. is not great. It's the implementation mm. that's the challenge. Mm. And so we work, um, we, we're piloting in Mpopo and Mpumalanga. And, you know, it's, it differs. In Mpumalanga, we've got these women who've informally organized themselves mm. as community healthcare workers. They attend trainings, their pay is sometimes precarious, sometimes they share it amongst themselves mm. because not all of them are sort of recognized as part mm. of world-based outreach teams. But they do this work, you know, sometimes they don't have any time to call the hospital or the clinic or an ambulance if they see um, a sick person. Often they have to dig into their own pockets to support the family with food. So these are everyday community heroes. And I think, you know, we often talk about resource constraints in South Africa, but here we have a workforce. Um, some studies estimate there are as many as 70,000 of them in the country. In communities, they get it. They can tell you why mothers drink, why mothers mm. don't go to the clinic. They can tell you that at this clinic, there's always a stock out. At that clinic, this nurse is rude. You know, they, they live and they breathe, and they are the answer to why we're struggling to, to shift the needle on stunting. But unfortunately, for the longest of time, we haven't recognized them. You know, we, we, we this year, for the this time had a um, community health care worker day. You know, there's nurses' days. There's days yeah. that celebrate our health care practitioners. But few people really, you know, recognize this important workforce that does incredibly courageous work, but is, but is seldom not recognized for what they do. Mm. Okay, so you've obviously then, you know, recognized the need for us to celebrate and at least elevate their status and try and assist them, champions for children. Um, how, how can we be a part of this? So, I mean, you know, I think uh, we had a community healthcare worker day, as I mentioned this year, and we had a speaker um, who spoke about just her own experience of mm-hmm. community healthcare workers and how when her elderly grandmother was really ill, these were the people, you know, when the health system was not supportive, when, we, you know, the, the things we hear about in the media often, mm-hmm. that this was the person that recognized them. So I think it's recognizing these people. I think it's, um, you know, often community healthcare workers will often say they find that families reject they visit sometimes sure. because it can be stigmatizing, you know, because of the era of HIV, yes. that sometimes a community health care worker visiting you might be seen as, you know, declaring to the community mm. that, oh, in this house, there's a problem somebody, here. Mm. Yeah, there's mm. a problem here. Mm. And that, that needs to shift because community health care workers increasingly part of their mandate is maternal and child health. They are recognizing pregnancy early. They're supporting the, the teenage mother who um, suffers from depression um, and referring her. They are supporting a family to come to grips with the teenage pregnancy in their household. And how can they get over the initial shock and anger and maybe disappointment and support this young person who's going through a very, very precious (laughs) journey. Um, And so they do incredible work. So I think it is recognizing, you know, and often we think that community healthcare workers are only in rural areas. Mm. They're community healthcare workers in Johannesburg and urban areas in, in the Western Cape. In, you know, in peri-urban areas as well. So, 
Uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to open the lines, Kopana, because I think there are so many of us who don't raise our hands and say, well, this is how they've assisted us. Many of us are out in the towns doing what we need to be doing, but we're leaving behind families that, as you said, you know, rely so heavily on these community workers. Mm-hmm. And I'll take those stories, 891 and we'll also talk about the upcoming seminar that you guys are putting together in a short while. Call SAFM right now on 0891-104-207. Life, life Happens with Pimelo Motine. Thank you so much for staying with us. My name is Pimelo Motine. I'm with you until three, but I'm in a conversation with Dr. Kopano Matlomabaso, who is Executive Director at Grow Great. We've been having the series of discussions around stunting in this country. I mean, when we go deep, it's quite uh, alarming what kind of problems that we're sitting with. But we, our, our focus today is on champions for children, community safe, uh, community health workers who really are at the center of giving this health care to families that require this kind of help. So, I want to ask you, um, Kopano, that, you know, we were just talking about how families are also, it's difficult to penetrate uh, sometimes these families. There is stigma and so on for community health workers. We we want to change the status quo. And there's also a seminar that you guys have planned in, in light of all of this. Tell me about that. Yes, so we are hosting the first um, national um, zero stunting seminar on Friday. Um, and we've invited a range of um, civil society leaders, um, some of our program um, you know, participants, people who we engage with in our programs and actually deliver this work on the ground, policymakers, business leaders, um, the media will be broadcasting live on one of the radio stations. Um, and so it's really an opportunity for us to put our heads together and chart a path to zero. You know, th- we've sat at these high levels of stunting for the last two decades, really, and I mean, we can't continue like this. We are, you know, shortchanging the futures of at least a quarter of Africans, and a lot of economic analysis shows us that we are actually undermining the growth of our own GDP, GDP by allowing stunting to continue at these high levels, and it can't be business as usual. Mm. There are countries that have managed to reduce stunting that have lower um, GDP per capita than we do um, and have similar resource constraints. And so we've invited some of them. So we've got the former Minister of Health of Chile, Mm -hmm. a country that's managed to dramatically reduce stunting. Um, And so she will be sharing, you know, what what they did, what they learned, and some of their challenges because I think the other side of this coin is obesity and we see obesity Mm. on the rise in South Africa. So how do we do what they call double duty interventions? How do we both reduce stunting and prevent obesity? Mm. Because that's the key. It's not that, you know, we, we solve one problem and create another. Yeah. And actually, you know, often people, often we forget that obesity is also a poverty issue. Yep. You know, I, you know we, it's not an issue, you know, it's not an issue of absolute affluence. You know, often families are aggressively marketed, you know, high sugary um, drink foods, you know, in lots of... Um, qualitative research. They show that people eat unhealthy food that makes them full, right? And like access. Like outside the school gate. Yeah. Access. So we all yeah. know that's not yeah. healthy, but it, it fills your stomach, you know, a, a, um, a loaf of white bread and a Coke, you know, it's often the diet of many people that don't have the food. And, and all the diversity of nutritious food is expensive, even for middle class people. You know, and, uh, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in this because, for instance, it's, it's, it's amazing what access to specific foods can do. So, so where you think it and then it, you're able to execute. So the access of Maguena just across the road, mm. they're just so accessible as opposed to, for instance, maybe fruit and peanuts for argument's mm. sake, right? Mm. So 
as as a as a school culture even where at the tuck shop all they get is gota and chips and whatever and the and the healthy choices are just not there that is part of for instance where we would come in and say well have you considered stocking some of these vegetables and fruits in in your tuck shop as opposed to the other options so at that point children don't even have a choice no exactly and i think that's what we need to move to because i think you know there's the mental space in your life to be to be planning this kind of super nutritious diet right mm. i mean if you're a single mm. mom who's mm. working multiple jobs mm. when are you going to have time to sit and you know create this really amazing you do what you can mm. you make sure you're sure enough fed so as 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 um all of us as people who are influential in business in academia in the civil society space we need to remove the structural barriers and i think you give a great example i mean in a lot of countries particularly um in the developed world they have rules where you can't have um shops that sell junk yep. food to children within certain kilometers of school yeah it's just not you won't get the permission to even open up a shop like that mm. and that's where you, you remove you know you make it easy for families and children to choose healthy things by just making them not accessible yep. to children who are not we don't have the wherewithal to make mm. a choice between an apple and um, liguinha mm. mm. okay so the the interested parties anyone else who's listening and who's interested who may want to attend the seminar what's the process Yes, so I mean we do I mean we are quickly filling up um but we do still have capacity to um to to have to host SFM listeners and we'd love to have people who are particularly interested in these issues and care deeply and want to be involved and want to be part of the solution do get in touch so they can write to us at info@growgreat.co.za the seminar is on Friday so do get in touch quickly but we'd love we'd love to have you know South Africans of all walks and lives being part of this because this is going to take a whole of society response this is not just the response of mothers and women yeah. alone it's going to need all of us to be part of the solution oh dr kopano matabaso thank you so much for joining us once more and uh, so basically people can just go to grow great and then you can uh, register for that seminar yes, that's coming up on friday yes send us an email send yeah. us an email and we'd be happy to make space for you really appreciate the time thanks very much dr thank kopano matabaso executive director at grow great